Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Puget Sound. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Bellevue. And welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your master mixologist and Baron of Brewskies, or uh, what do we call it, the sergeant of spirits today. How about that? Got some great guests, as always, in uh, the studio. I've got Bart Fawbush of Bartholomew Wines and uh, Will Mashmeyer, who is with Three Howells Distillery. So we're going to have some great conversation about Washington wine and Washington spirits. Um, looking ahead, uh, uh, it's pink wine season. It's actually Mother's Day weekend, so uh, hopefully you have something in mind in store for mom, something special. And, and pink wines go with uh, with all sorts of brunch food and all kinds of food, so pick up some rosé wine. And if you do like rosé wine, the, the pink stuff, you got to check out June 18th, uh, the Rosé Revival out at Ray's Boathouse. My friend David LeClaire hosts uh, um, the event, Rosé Revival. Uh, SeattleUncorked.com has got tickets, and you'll taste uh, lots and lots of pink, uh, some great food at Ray's. And it's all for a good cause. So check it out. Uh, Rose Revival, SeattleOnCork.com, June 18th. Right now, I want to welcome my friend uh, Bart Fabish. Welcome to Happy Hour. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, so let's talk about uh, you are a, a Washington winery. Um, tell us when you got started and where you're located. Yeah, we got started in the uh, first vintage was 2007. Uh, we're located in uh, the West Seattle uh, neighborhood of uh, White Center. And uh, we have a tasting room in the old Rainier Brewery in Soto, downtown Seattle. That's great. I like the, how the Rainier Brewery has still provides um, a little heartbeat of, of uh, distilling. And I know David LeClaire's got his uh, factory Luke's down there. Um, but is there? Are you the only winery down there? Currently, yes, I'm the only one that resides there weekly. Any distillery down there? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, I see that they've got got lots of rooms for um, for operations like yourself. So, Bartholomew, I, I take it that's uh, your name? Correct. My first name is Bart. Um, it didn't look good on a bottle, so we expanded it to Bartholomew. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, you got to have a business plan. It talks about uh, the label and the direction, and you know, there's a little romance. And I think Bartholomew has got sort of this. Uh, I don't call it transcendent, but um, this very uh, astute uh, historical, you know, name. It sounds very English or very proper. It definitely, it has a little bit more of a historical significance. Uh, Bart, unfortunately, uh, reminds most people of The Simpsons. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you could play off that. Maybe you got to make one of those uh, Simpson bottles somehow, <laughs> trademark something. Who knows? We might come up with that. Well, let's talk about 2007. Did you actually start in White Center, or the, uh, the south part of West Seattle, as it were? No. Um, I actually started in eastern Washington and did that commute for about four years. Uh, had a, a proprietorship shared space uh, with a, another winery over there. Uh, Is that in Prosser or Yakima? Or? Yeah, in the Prosser Grandview area. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Were then, you in the at the technical college there? Uh just down the street. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's a very sleepy place out there in Grandview. It is. Uh, there's never a traffic jam. <laughs> That's true. I've been there, and there's only a few cars. So this was what in 2006 you guys started. 2007. 2007. Okay. And um, your first vintage, uh, your first grapes. What wine did you produce? Uh, we were focused in on some Bordeaux varietals. Uh, uh, 
I happened to fall in love with Carmen Yer, too. So we did a couple blends, uh, a, a Cab and Merlot blend, um, a blend with uh, Carmen Yer in it. And uh, we also did our own uh, blend, our first vintage, but have not done that since. Interesting. So how much Carmen Yer was in the state back in 2007? I don't know. It was kind of hard to find. <laughs> uh, but we did, you know, uh, six barrels. Wow. Okay. So, um, and you've continued with that specific variety with your portfolio for, for the last seven years? I have, Vintages? Yeah. And we even have now a rosé that we make with Carmenier. Ah, very exciting. And it is rosé. I'm all about the pink. I think you can drink pink year-round. Um, although like January, December is a little difficult, but it does go well with food. So you just call it pink bubbles. I guess we can pink drink pink all year. I love it. I think it's the most versatile food wine that we have out there. Yeah, and you can keep it nice and chill. It's mm -hmm. always refreshing if it's hot out. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's got the weight of a white wine, but the texture and the taste of a red wine, which is kind of the good tweener. Absolutely. Um, initially, I didn't think I would make a rosé. Uh, the demand called for it. We gave it a shot in 2012. Um, it was really successful, so we've definitely continued and grown that program for sure. Well, Bart Fabish of Bartholomew Wines, uh, you're located in uh, the Rainier Brewery, um, and you say you, you ferment in White Center? I do. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. You're not the only thing fermenting in White Center. They have yeah. a distillery down there and the winery. I think there's a couple, right? And there's a brewery. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hidden away. Uh, my landlord is the, uh, the local tortilla factory. Uh, which is really funny. And uh, so most people, when they drive by, they don't realize there's a winery in there, and that's okay with me. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it keeps the people from knocking on the door, and you can stay focused on your wine. So let's talk about, uh, you started with a Bordeaux blend, a Rhone blend, and, of course, a, a Carmenere-style blend. Correct. Um, how did you progress? How many wines are you producing now? Um, what I found was that folks really enjoyed the Carmenere, and it was a lot of fun to... Um, talk to them about varieties that uh, maybe they weren't as familiar with. So we've kind of progressed into taking on some grapes that are maybe lesser known. Um, anything from Alagote to Suzao, uh, Primitivo, uh, just having fun with those different varieties. Last year, Tanat for the first time. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, yes, we keep the, uh, the standards in there as well so that when folks come through the tasting room, they can always find something that they're familiar with and then hopefully they like and buy. You have a comfort level for the Correct. consumer side. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty exciting. It's quite adventurous, too. Did you actually do some study? Um, did you taste some wines from around the world, whether it's uh, Chab Algote and the Cote Chalonnais or uh, you know, Tanat that, from uh, Uruguay? That's a funny story. Um, I guess the word's kind of gotten out that I like to uh, experiment with some of these grapes, so I do get random phone calls sometimes. Uh, but the Algote was kind of a, a happenstance where I called the grower and said, hey, I want to do some white wines this year. He says, great, all I have left is Alagote. I said, I'll take it. And then my next sentence was, what is it? So <laughs> literally, I had to go look it up real quick and uh, found out that it was a, uh, a white burgundy. And uh, yeah, then I, then I started buying as many as I could before harvest and tasting and tasting and tasting, trying to figure out what we were going to do with that. Uh, do we treat it like a Chardonnay or do we treat it like, you know, maybe another stainless steel white wine with, you know, with or without oak, with or without malolactic fermentation, et cetera, et cetera. And what did you find? What did, uh, where did your preference lead you? Well, we're kind of in between. I actually do half of it in stainless steel barrels and half of it in neutral oak barrels. I play around with a couple different yeast strains and then bring it together at the end. Uh, no malolactic fermentation, though. How about botanage? Do you leave it on the leaves for a little bit of extra complexity or just during, mouthfeel? Just during fermentation, um, and then we remove it immediately after. 
Interesting. So that's called the, the first rack or the gro- racking off the gross leaves? Yeah, correct. Okay, that's good for our audience to yeah. understand what we're chatting about. Don't like to be over their head too much. Exactly. But, so Aligote is a pretty exciting grape. Um, it's it's was really known for its bright acidity. It became the wine that most people know as the Cure, K-I-R, uh, the Cure, uh, Cure Royale is with champagne, so it's cassis and champagne, but the, the uh, Cure was originally uh, creme de cassis and Aligote. Correct. So uh, where is this particular vineyard at? Um, it's in Sunnyside, Washington. The vineyard is Upland Vineyard, and oh, it's okay. in the Snipes Mountain AVA. And that's uh, um, Upland... Uh, the Newhouse family owns yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Todd. Todd Newhouse. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And how? what's the acreage on that? Are you getting all of it now? or? I'm, I'm not. I, uh, I think there's four or five other wineries that uh, share in this block. Uh, from what I understand, I believe it's the only block in Washington State, and it was planted in 1979. No way. So it's kind of fun to have Old Vine Aligote in Washington State. Holy smokes. So yeah. uh, what is that crop typically? Is that a four-ton an acre or three-ton? Um, I think it gets a little more than that. Yeah? Yeah, it's, still, it's pretty vigorous. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, you, pr- you produced that what first year? Uh, 2010. 2010. And how has you tasted it? How has it developed in, uh, in the bottle? Uh, really well. Um, maybe not as good as Chardonnay, but I think it's the style that we're making it in. We didn't add oak. Yeah, so yeah. Nice, it's still clean and crisp? Yeah, correct. And uh, is, is it a pretty bright wine? Does it have a lot of acidity, a little like Chablis, or is it uh, more of a, a white burgundy? Well, actually, they're both white burgundy, but is it less acidic than, than what we would expect? Uh, maybe, perhaps. I think that might be Washington State coming through. Yeah. You know, it does, um, the acid does drop out a little bit. Um, we like real nice fruit flavors, uh, so we typically, you know, pick the, the grapes when they're nice and ripe. Okay, so how do we find this Aligote? What's it cost, and where can we find it? Uh, it's $19 a bottle. You can buy it at the tasting room. All right. Um, uh, I think it's being poured by the glass in uh, several places around town, like Purple. Oh, neat. Well, that's really exciting to have a, a new variety that's sort of caught on, and um, yeah. to you know to have those old vines is is kind of crazy because we've never seen it before in any other. I mean, who's been making Aligote? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to say that it probably got uh, tossed in with some Chardonnay, perhaps. Oh yeah, maybe to boost up some acidity. Um, well, let's talk about Tanat. Tanat is uh, a grape that was found in the uh, Cahors region um, of France, and the and also known for its. Uh, um, prevalence in the Uruguay, country of Uruguay. Yeah, uh, and the Madarin region in France as yeah, well. Yeah, Madarin, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one. It's uh, Cahors next to Madarin. Yes. Uh, that was always part of the uh, Tanat and Malbec camp. They uh, they blend some Merlot and some Malbec into those wines because 100% pure Tanat is sometimes uh, quite uh, forceful wine. We just uh, fermented our first block of it in 2014, so um, you know we're six, eight months in a barrel at this point. Uh, so far, so good. Um, absolutely loving the flavors. We're talking baking spice and cinnamon. Uh, obviously, you've got your red fruits in there too. It's phenomenal. And yes, it's a mouthful. Yeah, and that, that's based on the tannin. Is it so? It's a thick-skinned grape, much like Cabernet Sauvignon, or is it a thin-skinned grape like Nebbiolo? Um, more on the like Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. So in your maceration, which is the soaking of the grape skins in the juice, are you doing pump overs? Are you are you sort of letting just it, the the grapes sort of express themselves while sort of floating in in the juice, or are you doing uh, punch downs, pigeage? Well, we are definitely going to. Uh, experiment with that. Uh, this first year, when we put it through the distemmer, we added the crusher to give us a little bit more uh, tannin and seed extraction uh, during fermentation. Um, 
I guess this year maybe we'll do some Holberry or something of that nature. I don't know what we'll do, but um, uh, always fun experimenting with that and seeing what kind of results we get. And do you have a specific name for this tonight? Um, Not yet. No, it's still in (laughs) barrel. Uh, We'll probably release it in 2017 or something. Why not tonight? Exactly. Yeah, we, well, if our listeners have any ideas or suggestions, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. That'd be great. That would be great. And uh, speaking with Bart Faubish, the uh, owner, proprietor, winemaker for Bartholomew Wines, located at the tasting room is down at uh, the Rainier Brewery. They still call it Rainier Brewery, right? Because it was Tully's for a while, and the, the name is back to Rainier. It's got the R on top. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Can't, can't miss it. Uh, 200,000 cars stuck in traffic. Get to see that the whole... <laughs> yes. During, twice a day. Uh from my real estate background, we realized that location was important. Yeah, that's good. And uh, whether people remember the name of the winery, at least when they're driving by an I-5, hopefully they'll have a uh, Pavlovian response and want to taste some wine. Yeah, a little salivation yes. thinking about Bartholomew Wines. Well, you have a website and uh, a wine club? BartholomewWinery.com. And yes, we have a wine club that we run out of the tasting room, uh, three or six bottles twice a year. All right. And uh, how do they sign up for the wine club? Uh, you can go online at BartholomewWinery.com. Um, or if you wanted to come and taste before you buy, swing by the tasting room and you can sign up there. Excellent. And uh, I know you brought two bottles of wine here. Before we take this next break, does mm-hmm. tease the audience on what wines you've uh, selected for us to taste. Um, I have a red Bordeaux-style blend uh, that's uh, mostly Cab Franc, has a little bit of Cab Sauve and Carmenere. And then the second wine that we have today is a Suzao. I mentioned earlier it's a uh, Portuguese varietal that we've made in a port-style fortified wine. Interesting. That's exciting. So who's growing Suzao? Upland Vineyards, too? It is, yes. <laughs> the new house. Uh, it's great when you have 600 acres to plant and uh, fool around with all these uh, great grape varietals, and also to have a, an industry that is embracing uh, opportunity in Washington State with a different terroir. And, of course, we're still a young uh, wine industry trying to find what grows best and where, most importantly. That's right. Well, so fun. Um, stick around. When we come back from this break, we'll we'll dive into the two wines with Bart Faubish of Bartholomew Wines. And I have the pleasure of having a local distiller here. Um, Will Mashmeyer is uh, a proprietor, the master distiller. We call you Master Will of Three Howls Whiskey, Three Howls Distillery. We're going to try their whiskey, their rum, their vodka, their blood orange vodka, which sounds really, really tasty. Um, when we come back from this break, hey, if you have any questions, remember to send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you're out in the Twitter sphere, Bart, do you have a Twitter handle? Yes, at Bartholomew Wine. At Bartholomew Wine. At Bartholomew Wines. And Will, do you have a Twitter handle? Yeah, at Three Howls. At Three Howls. Perfect. And I'm at Happy HR Radio. So stick around. I'll be right back. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. So excited to have Bart Faubish, the proprietor of Bartholomew Wines, and uh, they're down at the Soto. Uh, so, sorry, Rainer Brewery, and also have Will Moshmeyer, who is the owner of Three Dills, Three Howls Distillery. Oh my goodness, I'm not even sipping yet, and I'm uh, already stumbling over my tongue. Well, that's because my tongue is thirsty, and let's talk about these wines, Bart. You have a, a red blend. It was Cabernet, uh, sorry, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet, and Carmenere. What's this called, and what vintage? Uh, this is the 2012 Jackson, J-A-X-O-N, not to be confused with J-A-C-K-S-O-N. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a Jackson Winery down in, in Oregon as well, J-A-X-O-N, I think. Yeah, we're very familiar with the one in California as well. Yeah, because, you know, I could see how you could confuse with Kendall Jackson and Bartholomew Wineries, just Jackson. That's, uh, wow. I'm just so confused. I don't know which one to buy. I'm stuck in the store. Someone help me. Yeah, hence the recent cease and desist we, we received, yes. Well, it's good to be noticed. It is. <laughs> and what they say, any publicity is good publicity, right? So you should be really, you should be... Uh, Having some picketers in front of you, you know the the, the giant corporate mega stores, which are pr- pushing all that Kendall Jackson wine. Absolutely, <laughs> save the small guy. You know, keep your what, keep your trademarks out of my winery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so this is 2012. It's called Jackson, and I imagine you have a new name coming up. Uh, we have not decided that yet either. Yeah. How about Kendall? Uh, well, we thought about Ken Doll or Kendall, yes, something like that, just to throw them off. Yeah, well, keep them, keep them, uh, you know, working. They can spend their money with those attorneys. That's right. Well, let's taste this. Twenty twelve. Um, what flavors do you think I should be tasting here? Well, it's um, mostly Cab Franc. It's fifty nine percent Cab Franc, thirty one percent Cabernet Sauvignon, and ten uh, percent Carmenere. So you're going to get uh, bright fruit flavors on that. Um, you're going to get maybe just a little uh, smidge of uh, uh, spice on the finish. Medium tannins, not not too over the top, nice and fruit forward. Wow, this is really delicious. You know, I, one of the challenges I have with um, growing up in a, uh, a very warm climate here for Washington is that we often have to balance the ripeness of fruit with a little extra acid. And um, I'm very sensitive to that acidity, and I, I'm hoping that we've we get that perfect balance over the five-year plan because I think a lot of times we balance for the the year for the taste that day. Sure. But looking ahead, right now this has got great balance. I think the acid is definitely bright, but it's certainly not stinging. Um, the fruit flavor is definitely red, and yeah, a, a lot of warm baking spice in this with the Cab Franc uh, and the Carmenere just it has that ethereal sense of um, spice and pepper, mm-hmm. a little earthiness. Absolutely. So this Jackson wine, um, now it's a collector's item, I imagine, so the price probably just went up. Um, I, yeah, we're not quite that way, but uh, <laughs> th- this is the 2012, which will be released this fall. Um, it'll be our last vintage with this name on it. Wow, it's delicious. What oh, would this you. Uh, wine run? It's $32 a bottle. Mm-hmm. And we can find it at uh, BartholomewWinery.com and the tasting room at the Rainer Brewery. Yes. Lovely. Um, okay, so now this Suzao uh, grape is something from Portugal, one of the many red varieties out of Portugal. It is. Um, and they use uh, a little bit of this in their port wines, typically. There's like six or seven grapes they put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this. Why Suzao sweet versus dry? Well, um, I actually have a dry barrel in the in the uh, winery that we're uh, ah. experimenting with, so uh, look for that down the road. But the uh, the port style wine, I have a good friend who uh, shared it with me for the first time, and I really enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, I thought, wow, that's a that's a fun grape. And after doing a little research, found out that it's one of the Tintorier grapes that uh, has uh, red, red flesh, red flesh, and pulp. And so it makes really really dark wines, has really good flavor to it. Um, in this vintage, I did a little something extra with this as well. I took um, wine from that same vineyards, the Upland Vineyard in. Um, uh, Snipes Mountain in Sunnyside, and had it distilled for me at a local distillery, and no then way. that was the uh, the um, distillate that we uh, put into. Aguardente. That's right, that we put into this wine. So this is a single vineyard, Suzao, and the uh, brandy comes from that vineyard as well. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a little and different. Did you, uh, when you, we have a distiller here, Will Mashmeyer is going to talk about all the heads and tails and, and, yeah. and distilling. Um, how precise were you in, in selecting some of the, the hearts of your spirit? 
uh, really, really precise. We we went through the heads, the tails, and the hearts, and uh, came up with a nice blend that we thought would work well into the wine, and I think we nailed it. It's interesting, because I think in Portugal, the uh, the mandated proof or um, percentage of alcohol is in that 73, 73%, I think, is what they use to okay. um, dilute. What did you use? Uh, this one's uh, 160 proof. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's quite smooth. I think the flavor is uh, definitely dark, um, but the sweet note is not overcloying. Uh, it's very well balanced. I'm really impressed to, to taste this because I think a lot of it takes a lot of thought. I mean, when you make great wine, you really have to have a plan and, and understand what the, the the balance, the harmony is for for the ingredients. And I think um, a lot of times, port wine, port style wines in Washington can be um, just oversweet because they're just trying to make a sweet wine and I think this has got great balance because I think you got a little bit of tannin on there. It tastes much like a, uh, a great ruby port. Yeah, thank you. You know, um, I'm always trying to think outside of the box. Um, I like what other people do, but I don't necessarily always want to be like them. So sometimes I like to do something a little different like this. With a little bit lower spirits on this, you don't get as much viscosity. Um, we had to add a little bit more spirit to, to get to our 20% alcohol range. Um, so therefore, the wine tastes a little bit um, uh, more like a steel wine with a little bit of sweetness to it. But it still has that nice um, alcohol kick that you're looking for. And this has a special name? Uh, we just call it Suzao. Suzao. Yes. Okay, um, how do you spell that? S-O-U-Z-A? Yes, and with an O on the end. Okay, S-O-U-Z-O. Yeah, S-O-U-Z-A-O. <laughs> well, you can find all the information at BartholomewWinery.com or go ahead and check out the Tasting Room. What are your hours at the Tasting Room at Rainer Brewery? Uh, real simple, noon to 5 every Saturday and Sunday. Noon to 5. So head down. Uh, you can go check check out uh, the, the Tasting Room and then come back and tune on, uh, turn on Happy Hour Radio. Well, Bartholomew, Bart Fobish, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Christopher, for having me. I'm so excited to uh, go from a fortified wine to uh, pure spirits because this is quite the transition from still wine to fortified and right to the aguardente itself. Will Mashmeyer um, from Three Howells Distillery, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about it. So let's talk about uh, how you got started. I mean, were you drinking in high school and you started drinking in college and you said, you know, I'm going to do this for a living or how did it go? Well, I was drinking in high school, but that's kind of besides the point, you know. Uh, Really, you know, I, I come from an art and science background, and the idea of making a distillate is very exciting for me, because you really do uh, have to be logical about the process, but at the same time have a sense of uh, of uh, what is your final product, and, and is it going to be enjoyed by people? <laughs> Instead of the industry? Exactly. <laughs> So years ago, I, uh, you know, I worked in healthcare and I had, you know, thought I toured a distillery down in Portland, Oregon, and, and it kind of caught my eye and I thought it'd be fun to do. So I was touring distilleries and I was home brewing and uh, about three years ago I got laid off and I have a two year and 50 mile non-compete clause. And so I, at the time, specialized in prosthetic legs and th orthotic bracing. So there's not very many other marketable abilities one has when they're building prosthetic legs for people. But one thing I did know how to do is make liquor because I'd been, uh, you know, experimenting a bit and touring distilleries for years. And so uh, I thought, you know, there's very few times in one's life where you get a chance to just kind of go for your dreams. And so I wrote a business plan and got a bank loan and sold my condo for additional capital and just kind of went for it. 
Wow, and you're based in Seattle, or were you based in Portland at the time, or where were you uh, getting this inspiration? Oh, I was living in Seattle at the time. Okay. Uh, well, Matt, Will Mashmeyer, and uh, your business plan started out with Three Howls. Was that the name originally, or did you have uh, a different sort of my code name? Yeah, my original name was Loam Distillery. I wanted to have an Ode to Scotland in the name, and so I like the name Loam because it's like the uh, the uh, fertile, earthy, uh, you know, Pete of so the Lomi, Lomi Pete, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I got the uh, trademark people to give me the B status, and it all seemed well and good. And then they did a uh, second look at it and decided that I was impinging upon a trademark in California, so they decided to take it from me, so I had to change the name really quick. So there's a Scottish mythological hound called the Kushi, and it's spelled C-U-S-I-T-H. I love the idea of it because C-U is like elemental copper, and S-I-T-H appealed to the seven-year-old with uh, and me with like the Sith Lord with Star Wars. Oh, right. So I thought it was awesome until uh, I was reminded that nobody would ever remember it. But this <laughs> this hound howled three times, and so... Everyone seemed to like that it held three times, and I had three dogs at the time that I lived with, so I thought it would be a good route to go. Those are real dogs or roommates? Uh, they're real dogs, but honestly, my friends uh, used to give me a little bit of a hard time about it because they said two pugs and a Boston Terrier don't count as three dogs, but <laughs> they are three dogs to me. Wow, so cool. I love that. This is great to hear the stories of our, of our industry, uh, whether you're uh, Bart Fabish starting a winery uh, in, uh, well, White Center, or Will Mashmeyer, who is the, now you're the owner for Three Howls Distillery. Yep. You have a partner? Yeah, I do have a business partner. His name's Craig. He's a great guy. Oh, very good. Shout out to Craig. Well, I'm excited to uh, taste, uh, how many products do you produce? We have about 12 products, Wow! But one or two of those products are only available in the distillery. And in general, when you look at our products, uh, for example, we have uh, two or three different flavor vodkas and two different gins, but they really are just one process. We use different right. botanicals to flavor them. Well, great. Well, I'm excited. You've got three products here. You've got a rye whiskey, um, a special Madeira barreled rum and blood orange vodka. So when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into tasting some of these great spirits. And I'm pretty sure they're great because you started with a business plan. And Three Howls is that the key. We'll give you Three Howls Distillery. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one. Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I have the owner, the business plan, the man behind Three Howells Distillery. That's Will Mashmeyer. And uh, when you're distilling stuff, the Mashmeyer sounds like an appropriate name for being a distiller. Yeah, well, especially whiskey. You know, it kind of starts out as beer, so we definitely have to mash our grains. I love it. So uh, you were talking before the break that you have 12 different products uh, out there at your tasting room. Let's talk about where do you, where are you located and how do people find you? I'm right behind Safeco Field on 4th and Massachusetts. So there's a little dead-end street, and we're in the orange building on the left. On the orange building on the left. Is that heading south or heading north? Or uh, Heading south. Heading south. Orange building on the left. Okay, that's not the uh, grocery outlet store, is it? No, it's right next to it. Okay, perfect. So right next to grocery outlet. And you have a tasting room? 
Yeah, we do. And uh, this is where you ferment too and you distill? Yep, we have a 6,000 square foot warehouse down there. Very cool. So what are your hours and uh, what's your website? Well, our hours are 8.30 to 2.30 during the week and then 12 to 4 on Saturdays. 8.30, huh? Do you get some uh, local people who used to hang around or ready for a drink at 8.30? We've actually had a few people come through early in the morning sometimes. Oh, yeah, right, with their, mix it with their coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically the hours that you're pretty much guaranteed to catch us there. And so as long as somebody's interested enough to show up while we're there, I'm more than happy to take a break and kind of show them around. That's great. So what's the address exactly? It's 426 South Massachusetts Street. 426. All right, well, we'll get that on a new website. Now, a new website's coming up uh, in the next week. We're almost ready to launch, so we're excited about that. Going to have a real professional do this and, uh, you know, not not me. Uh, I'm a, I'm an idea guy, not a tech guy. So let's talk about me being a spirits guy. Um, let's start with uh, blood orange flavored vodka. How does you come up with this idea and what goes in it? So... I basically make it the same way you make gin. I take ethanol and vapor infuse the ethanol through blood oranges, cardamom, cloves, and rose petals. Oh, wow. I just took a sip. Now, just a touch of sugar. Yeah, just about 1% simple syrup. Yeah. Wow, that's delicious. And it's still 40 proof? Yeah, yeah, it's 40 proof. Well, God bless you, because of all the flavored vodkas we have, I tell you, all those companies that, that sort of started this trend, they're making it 70 proof. Yeah, and they usually add glycerin and use artificial flavors yeah, to flavor Yeah, where's too. my 10%, man? You're ripping me off. I hate that. I like a 40% full-flavored vodka, and this blood orange is very well-balanced. It's very complex, and it's very appealing. Thank you. Um, how long have you been making this? So I've been making this for about two and a half to three years now. Oh, wow. That's great. I mean, that's something that is so flavorful, just a splash of soda, maybe. Um, but this on the rocks, I mean, this beats blows uh, absolute Mandarin and um, even Sky, well, not Sky, but this is great. This is fantastic. What does this run? This is about $30 after all tax. Oh, that's even a deal yeah, in, all in this day and age where uh, you know, our state is <laughs> putting in vice taxes everywhere. Yeah, it's hard because when I sell it to my distributor, you know, I sell it to them for a little over than $10 a bottle. And in the end of the day, it costs about $30 to the consumer after taxes and markups. So uh, it, it's a little rough in the state because of the tax structure, but I try to do what I can to make a very reasonably priced product. Yeah, that's great. That's a good, that's part of the business plan, although that just extends the business plan a few years because <laughs> the revenue is a little short. And darn those distributors, man. I mean, they tack on 30% and then they, uh, the, the retailers, so it seems like sometimes everyone's making money but us, right? Yeah, you know, but uh, we're uh, we're the ones who get to enjoy the pleasure of making our products. So yeah, very it good makes answer. it worth it. Very good answer. Well, um, Bart, and uh, next week I got John Patterson in the studio, um, and I he's here now, but we're going to chat about it. Touch some of this uh, blood orange vodka. It's really fantastic. And uh, let's talk about the rum. I'm. I'm a big rum fan. I actually have, um, I use Bloody Marys, or I use rum in my Bloody Marys, and because uh, I think it's a little sweeter, and, and vodka can often be a little charcoal-y or a little um, just, just alcoholic tasting, and I like rum. So let's talk about the Three Howells rum. Where did this idea come from? So rum was really important for, for me to make. It was actually the first thing we distilled at the distillery when we opened up. The reason for it is growing up, my dad lives in Costa Rica, and I'd have some really great rums in Central America, and then I'd come back here, and the rums that we're used to are distilled <laughs> at such a high proof that you don't have the flavor that you may expect from a decent rum. 
Well, that's great. So you, um, I think every great inspiration must come from, from great uh, products or great ideas or great experiences. And uh, I've been a rum fan for a long time because I love the, the complexity. Um, it often has great amount of oak on it, but it's never that uh, rough oak that I find in a lot of bourbons, mm-hmm. um, like Maker's Mark, which I enjoy. But it's, it's really like drinking a two-by-four sometimes. Yeah. This rum, uh, so what is the base distillate? Or is it a sugar, sugar cane, molasses? Uh, it's sweet molasses that's been imported from Barbados. Wow. So how do you get molasses up here to Seattle? They get shipped in large 270-gallon totes to Eugene, Oregon, Mm -hmm. and then I purchase them from a uh, distributor in Eugene. Wow. So I'd be curious to find out what that distributor is, where he's selling all this product to. It must be some other distilleries, of course. This is industrial molasses, I take it. Well, it's a sweet Barbados. So it, it, it's not Blackstrap. Got it. All right. And that comes from uh, another nearby island over there. Well, uh, what did you... So rum, obviously there's white rum and dark rum, and this is a dark rum. This looks like it's been aged because, of course, all, all spirits get their color from aging in a vessel typically or adding some color, of course. I'm sure you didn't add any color, so let's talk about what this uh, 90 proof Three Howls rum was dist- uh, fermented in or matured in. So it was actually one of the first distillations we did in the distillery. So it was aged in a new American oak barrel for a year and a half, and then I imported a used Madeira barrel from Portugal and finished it for six months in the uh, port barrel in the Madeira barrel wine. Wow, this is really delicious. I think it's got complexity and sweetness, um, great balance, and I think what the challenge is for a lot of our young distillers, in, in which I think you fall into that group, is really finding that mouthfeel that that is the trademark of your brand. And I think there's, a, you know, the hearts and the heads, hearts and tails are very important when it comes to you know a fine spirit. Not that the Grey Goose is, is is you know everyone thinks it's great, a lot of people like it, but in a blind tasting, it's really not that great. Um, a lot of it's marketing, but really what it comes down to is affordability and price and flavor. And what what do you have? What's this price? So this one in the retail after uh, all taxes in the low forties. Uh, well, that's you know that's great because when you find you got to import that barrel from Madeira, which is an island uh, just north of the coast of Africa, and they're known for uh, Madeira, which is a, a fortified wine um, that's sort of been uh, baked and through the sea voyages, and uh, um, love it. How big is that? Is that a, is that a six hundred liter barrel? Is it? Uh, it's about a sixty five gallon barrel. Sixty five gallons. So that is like three times, right? So about six hundred liters. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, check that out. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we can find you at Three Howls Distillery or ThreeHowls.com? ThreeHowls.com. ThreeHowls.com. I like it nice and clean. Well, the last uh, spirit we have is whiskey. Let's talk about this rye whiskey, which is very exciting for uh, the market. So our rye whiskey is 55% rye, 40% corn, and about 5% barley. And uh, we use beer brewing grains in order to make all of our whiskeys a little bit more unique. And so this one specifically features some chocolate malt in it. Oh, I get that on the finish. I was just saying, what is that dark flavor? That's the chocolate malt. Yep. Um, I love the spice in this, uh, say wine. I love the spice in this whiskey. Um, again, you've got this great mouthfeel, um, very balanced, not too hot. And what's the proof here on the, the rye whiskey? 88 proof. Yeah. How long would this age in barrel? So this is a little bit of a complicated aging process. I actually do the Slayer aging for this. And so oh. the uh, age statement on the back is six months, but that's because that's the youngest whiskey that's right. in the mother vat. And right now it's a blend of whiskeys from six months to about two years old. 
Uh, I love the idea because 10 years from now, when you're buying our rye whiskey, you know, there will be trace amounts of that original rye that we put in the original barrels. That's fantastic. And that's how the uh, they do it in sherry. And that's how you get these great old sherries. And I believe it just it keeps sort of this great thread of, of history and provenance in, in the Solera. And the Solera is uh, a basically a fractional system of blending different uh, liquids, in this case, uh, whiskeys. So the mash bill has been the same for each of your whiskeys. And how many uh, Cree? do you have in your Solera? I have uh, eight barrels right now. Eight barrels. So Mm -hmm. it's really one down to two, down to three... Yeah, it's it's kind of an abbreviated slur. I don't have like a huge mother vat at the end, but basically whenever I bottle, I empty a barrel halfway and then blend half a barrel over and half a barrel over and half a barrel over and kind of do a, a, a waterfall effect through all the barrels. And I always have to start with a new American oak barrel because by law you have to uh, oh, right. initially to whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a new American oak barrel, I place it in, and then as I bottle, I take it from that barrel and kind of waterfall it through the other barrels. And we can find this at the tasting room. Check it out. Yes. So cool. You're down at, uh, right behind uh, Safeco Field on 4th Avenue. Uh, Your website is threehowls.com. And Will Mashmeyer, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. I love the product. So fun. Well, next up we have uh, uh, one of our um, reality radio segments. This is A Day in the Life of Mary Hill Winery. And we'll be chatting with Craig Luthold, who is the co-owner with his lovely wife, Vicki, about what's happening down there in Maryville, Washington. And uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, chatting with Craig Luthold on Happy Hour Radio. live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to three, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. So excited to have our reality radio segment. This is a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery. Well, we check in with uh, our great friends, uh, the Luthholds and the Baxters down at Mary Hill, Washington. And uh, Craig Luthold, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you very much. Hey, so it's, uh, well, it's May. This is Mother's Day weekend. So tell us what's happening down in Mary Hill, Washington at Mary Hill Winery. Well, you know, the, the grapes are really starting to push. We've got a little more than a foot growth on everything. We've got warm weather coming up, which... You can literally watch them grow this time of year. You can maybe get as much as two to three inches a day when the temperature gets above 80 this time of year. They've got so much vigor, and they're pushing hard. And our cellar is right in the middle of getting um, everything prepared to get bottled. Uh, We're right in the midst of the white wines. We've gone through a big label redesign and um, just a lot of fun stuff. That's great. Well, it's it's so exciting to see that the spring, you know, I think, are we past the frost issues now? Do we have to worry about that anymore? You know, I was just talking to one of our growers uh, this last weekend, and the only issue we have is the next full moon. Interestingly enough, when full moons happen, that's when the danger of frost is the most acute. But uh, this coming uh, a week after next is our next full moon. The long-term <laughs> forecast actually looks like a little warmer weather during that phase, so... 
um, we may be ha- out of the woods because uh, a lot of our growers have had to have fans and smudge pots. And because our spring was so early, uh, bloom uh, happened about uh, two weeks earlier than normal and or bud break did. So um, everybody was very concerned. Um, and that isn't just the grape growers, but you're talking peaches and apples and cherries and and uh, pears and all of the people who are uh, who are farming for us. Uh, they were all a little concerned, but I think uh, everybody's out of the woods now. Well, that's good to know. I mean, we certainly have what I want to say ten billion dollar industry when it comes to all the the agriculture we have, and and a lot of those uh, agricultural products uh, depend on a, a smooth transition from winter to spring, and, and obviously no freeze or frost. So very exciting. Um, you talked about a label change, and tell me what this process is all about. Well, we actually were had made a presentation to a distributor on the East Coast. Um, they were going to cover uh, the, the Northeast for us, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, a couple of the other smaller states up there. The sales manager had approved our wines. Uh, the owner of the company actually was uh, is a Frenchman, and he came back from a sales trip to France, and he looked at our labels and he goes, you know, those are dated. I don't think I can sell that wine. Wow. So, so we kind of a said, French guy hmm, saying okay. that the wines are dated, huh? That's interesting. Exactly, exactly. Well, the labels were anyway. So we we said, okay, uh, well, maybe it is time for a change. So uh, we went out and we internally worked on a whole bunch of uh, things in house, and then we sent them out to uh, distributors and people involved in our industry, and uh, just kind of came to a consensus about uh, some really fundamental changes and the biggest one that you'll see on the new labels is that the Mary Hill script is actually horizontal instead of vertical. Okay, very good. So when will we, the consumer have a chance to, all of our great listeners, have a chance to review this new label? Is it be on the market this fall or is it this next year? Well, 2014 white wines. So um, actually like the first one is our Viognier. We're virtually out of the 2013. That's getting bottled next week. Um, we should be seeing it on the shelves, uh, I'm guessing, by June. Very cool. And, uh, of course, you're at most major retailers and some of the good wine shops around town. Um, and you're, how many white wines are you bottling right now? Uh, we are bottling 12 different white wines. That's exciting. So is that from uh, your, all your Columbia Valley uh, tier and then your Proprietor's Reserve tier and then the Vineyard Series tier? Or do you have those tiers in that line? Well, let's see. We have the Aurelia is the only, that's our Marsan-Rousan blend. That's the only one in the uh, in the Vineyard series that is uh, in that, uh, but that's not in that label. That's in our reserve tier. So in the Classic series, um, it's Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé, Chardonnay, Viognier, Pinot Gris, uh, Gewürztraminer, Rosé. Those are all the ones that will have the new label. Awesome. Well, so exciting to know that uh, the vineyards are thriving down there, and uh, to have a, a new look is always its a little makeover uh, for Mary Hill Wines, and I appreciate you joining us for Happy Hour Radio. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Craig Luthold, co-owner of Mary Hill Winery, for our day in the life of Mary Hill Wine recipient. That's our reality radio segment. And uh, we love them as a sponsor and uh, excited to see their, their new labels coming out uh, this summer in June for their white wines. And um, coming up on the show next week, I have a good friend, John Patterson, who is uh, the owner, a winemaker for Patterson Cellars up in Woodenville. We're going to chat about all the cool stuff that's happening in Woodenville Wine Country. 
country. And May is a chance to get out there and about. And uh, from here on, all of the summer, uh, there's so many exciting things happening in Woodinville. So we uh, stick around for next week. Uh, it's uh, 6 o'clock right here on 570 KVI. I want to thank our guests Bart Fawbish and Bartholomew Winery and Will Mashmeyer of Three Howells Distillery. Appreciate you tuning in every week. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.